Welcome to Trinity Radio. I'm Jonathan Pritchett, and today I have a special guest with me, Dr. Chris Featherstone, recently crowned doctor. How are you doing? I'm well, man. How are you? Good. Good to see you. Glad to have you on. We're going to talk about the Word of Faith movement, the prosperity gospel. Now, I do want to say this up front that I actually, believe it or not, don't know a whole lot about this area. Um, I know what uh, a casual observer of Trinity Broadcasting Net with the TBN network, you always think, oh, the health and wealth stuff and the TV preachers, but it, it's a, it goes deeper than that in the, in the local churches. So uh, if you wouldn't mind, uh, tell me a little bit about that movement, not so much what, uh, where you can talk about it at, at the level that we all see it, but how does that all filter down into local churches and, and what's, what's that scene, that whole church scene like? Yeah, so the, the Word of Faith movement really stemmed from a, a new thought. Uh, it, it's I, I call it a pimped-out new thought movement. So essentially, uh, Phineas Parkhurst Quimby, uh, which is really kind of like the, the, the pioneer of the new thought movement, um, he got into mesmerism, and um, that really stemmed a lot of new thought principles. And then uh, you have his contemporaries, someone like a, a Mary Baker Eddy, that started Christian science and then um, his influence, you know, the mesmerism influence has a uh, Helena Blavatsky um, type of uh, uh, tie to it, which is, you know, Helena Blavatsky, those who are familiar with her, she's really, you know, she was kind of one of the pioneers of like the occultic new age movement. So those kind of the, the divine self within, um, you know, someone like an E.W. Kenyon who was inspired by, uh, by Quinby, he kind of added the Christian uh, undertones into it. And basically, Kenyon's kind of line down led to like the Oral Roberts, the Kenneth Copeland's, the, um, you know, uh, Joyce Myers, the Frederick Casey Price's, the Creflo Dollar. So it's, it's, it's really something that was webbed, like that was began in like the, the, uh, a hundred years ago at least and then kind of webbed down the new thought movement was uh early 1900s the first quimby's uh one of quimby's contemporaries is really she institutionalized the new thought movement more and so the one the the uh, statement one of the declaration statements was first in 1917 so that's really around when the organizational structure of the new thought movement came about and then uh, like i said the the streamline kind of from mary becker eddy and christian science and so forth and then new age and then kenyon was one of the founding fathers of the christian influence when it came to new thought and then applying those things to word of faith and that's when we get the word of faith name and claim it and things like that so it, so this is really new age religion where they just sprinkle christian trappings within the same ideas just to but kind of baptize it into the christian faith but it, its roots are not christian so much as pagan or new age thought yes definitely definitely new thought yeah. origins for sure absolutely so so it, prosper when you hear prosperity gospel it, it does word of faith and prosperity, is that all in the same bucket or are, are, are they different or are there different nuances or, or how does all that work? 
Yeah, they're they're first cousins, twin brothers. I mean, whatever. You, I mean, they're they're basically akin. It's just it's the the prosperity gospel is the the monetary branch of word of faith, essentially. So it's uh, with you know with the word of faith, you have the name and claim, and, and then like the Napoleon Hill, uh, Think and Grow Rich, he was very New Thought uh, inspired, and so that prosperity gospel type of streamline comes from like an opponent heel new thought and claiming that you're rich and, and getting your inheritance and using kind of a Christian stamp on that. Kind of the, the speak it into existence ex nihilo mm, kind of. Yeah. Thing. Ex nihilo. Okay. Yep. So, yeah. So, um, I've tried that on occasion. It doesn't work. Okay. No, so, me too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, I, I think I've probably prayed that, Lord, if I win the lottery, I'll do all these wonderful things with the money. And that doesn't work either. So, right. Uh, but, but theologically speaking, when you see, um, so I don't know much about the local church level, but I, I have, you, you've Google, you can Google Creflo Dollars Ministry. You can Google mm-hmm. Joe Osteen if he gets lumped into there, or, or no, definitely um, Benny Hinn. You can mm-hmm. read their websites, and their statement of faith seem a lot like any sort of statement of faith that you would see on any Christian website. You know, mm-hmm. um, so just looking at, at at a glance, if you looked at their, their what they claim their theology is, you you would see what you think is a a basic evangelical orthodoxy, but once you get in it, it's a different story. Is that? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a good observation. I, I think, and that's what kind of woos people in because I mean, I was an ex prosperity gospel member for nearly a decade. So, I mean, what wooed me in was just orthodoxical orthopractical teachings. I mean, it was just kind of like, Hey, you know, Christ came, he died, he rose and live for him, submit to him. Sure. Absolutely. I'm in, <laughs> you know, count yeah. me in. Uh, but at the same time, the the application part is where the splinter goes. You know, what I mean, it's like, okay, yeah, we 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 believe that Jesus came, he died, he rose, and you know, because of the resurrection, First Corinthians fifteen, we're redeemed. Amen. Praise God. Yep, I'm, I'm in. Uh, those who believe uh, and have faith are redeemed, and so, yeah. Absolutely. But at the same time, now we're going, since you're in, now we're going to give you some applications based on our agreements. Now we're going to infuse at you of how, what a Christian looks like. So that's where the splinter becomes because I'm focused on, you know, as we should be as Christians, we should be focused on what we can do for Christ. But a lot of those word of faith movements, or most of them, I would even venture to say about all of them is more narcissists. It's more like, what can Christ do for me? Ah. And the application becomes like, okay, what can Christ do for me? So it's, it, it's not some now, but you hear more of that taught from the pulpit than you actually do the doctrine and theology. Right. So it's every sermon or, or, or the bulk of the sermons are primarily about how to get what's, what's, should be yours if you were to name it correct yeah yeah absolutely and they'll use i mean and that's where the heretical part comes in because they they'll use you know a text i mean way out of context like romans 4 talks about that's their speaking into existence 
kind of framework uh, of, of why you have the power to do it, which, you know, uh, uh, contextually speaking, we weren't the one speaking ex nihilo. It was God. Right. You know? <laughs> it was more God's the one who calls things into existence. Yeah, exactly. And so it and, and but they don't, they won't tell you that though. Like Proverbs mm -hmm. 23, you know, uh, whatsoever man, man think in his heart, so is he, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. okay, well that doesn't have anything to do with something doesn't exist. You're thinking it, you know, law of attraction or whatever and you say it, it talks about, uh, um, eating and talks about dining and if someone you know if you're asking someone if you want some food and they you know and they they kind of reluctantly say yes you just got to be careful about that and so it has to do with eating at the king's table so yeah. so the, the the context of proverbs 23 has nothing to do with name it and claim it but that's one of their foundational scriptures third john 2 is another foundational scripture like uh uh prosperity you know that's where the yeah. prosperity comes in he's you know he's talking to guys john's talking to guys you know uh beloved i wish above all things you could prosper and be in health even as i so prosperous they use that as a foundational scripture of a blanket everyone should prosper where contextually hermeneutically that's like me saying hey pritchett uh i wish that you have a really really good day today it's a salutation it's a simple salutation right. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's saying, hey, I wish you have a good day today and you and you have a, a, a fantastic day and everything goes your way. Yeah. You won't just say that, hey, guess what? Dr. Chris, uh, Dr. Featherstone, you, you know, you tell your wife, mm -hmm. hey, you know what? You're going to have a great day today because yeah. uh, Dr. Chris wrote it for me. And so That's you're right. going to have it, yeah. and you got that Oprah method. You're going to have a great day. and You're going to have a great day. <laughs> you're going to have a great day. You know, right. it doesn't work like that. Yeah. So it's 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 one of the... <sighs> So I can see I can see how they take, well, it's a it's a it's a sentence in the Bible. So they make that into a. But in fairness, um, a lot of people do this with verses that that don't do that, and other thing gets a weird theology. So they'll take that and they'll turn that into a, a into a system of metaphysics, mm -hmm. like like a, a salutation into a whole system of metaphysics. It reminds me of like Calvinists who will. Who will take a, a verse like Genesis fifty twenty where it says what you meant for evil God meant for good, for good yeah. uh, you know to bring about the salvation of many people. So they'll, they'll turn that into a metaphysics of compatibilism. And I'm like, wait, what? Where, yeah. where did you get that from? Right. Uh, people intend things that for one reason that I intend for a completely different reason that they do, and that doesn't make any sort of metaphysical claim. Correct. It's like you know, it just it's just I I can I know what someone's going to do, and I intend for them. Go ahead and do that because I got something coming. One of which is in a debate with the Calvinists. Let them bring up that verse so that I, I intend for them to. So because I intend to show that how it doesn't prove their metaphysics whatsoever. And that proves the point. That doesn't make compatibilism true. Correct. Does it, and, and God doesn't need compatibilism to be true either for, for that. If I can do it without compatibilism, certainly God can. So I, I so it's the same thing that happens when people get a hold of a religious text like scripture. And they're not very, let's say, they're not very competent exegetes. They're not very competently trained in hermeneutics. They think because it's a religious book, any sentence in there just can mean something super deep and super spiritual and super, and you can just riff on it and embellish it. Um, and, and I see that that's what they do um, from my observations, like with, with just a random salutation in an epistle or uh, with wisdom literature, you know, Proverbs are, uh, are, 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 from what I understand, a 
that that is a lot of where they get a lot of text from because they're general principles that are generally true, but they're not promises, but you can take Proverbs, which is just kind of a generic wisdom. Yeah. It's a, it's a truisms. Right. But they'll turn that into a metaphysic. Correct. Yeah. And they'll turn that into absolutes and promises. And that's, that's where I think, but I see the appeal, right? Yeah. I see the appeal of that. um, Especially with, people who don't have a very robust knowledge of the Bible. They don't really have much place in, in, in their theology for suffering, mm-hmm. but they are suffering. And if the, if you hear somebody reading from the Christian book, you know, and, and for them, Proverbs is no different than the book of Jude. You know, it's a, right. a religious text from the Bible. That's God's word. And the way that they can use those texts, I see the appeal of it. Um, so, but that's, that's, there's something what I think is a little bit sinister about that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Especially, especially from a leadership standpoint. Yeah. Because, like, either the leader doesn't know the text, which, you know, they're called, they're called to a higher standard, you know, as, as James would say. Yeah. And so either they aren't ready, you know, <laughs> to be in a leadership position because it's just poor exegesis and they haven't studied themselves or they're straight up blatantly manipulating their flock, you know, right. to say, well, if you buy, it's a, like, it's a Ponzi scheme. It's a spiritual Ponzi scheme. It's, I'm going to promise a lot to give you a little or nothing. You know what I mean? So it's, it's essentially what happens is a lot of those word of faith doctrines is saying, that's where the tithe comes in. That's where the money, that's where, again, taking Malachi three and just butchering the meaning of right. three, yeah. you know, <laughs> and it's like, you know, I, I'm going to, the, the buy-in is what the Bible says you're going to get. You know, uh, like you, you, you pay me as the pastor, you pay us as the church. And that's just a simple way of saying, I'm going to bring my tithes to the storehouse, right? So the storehouse is the church. You bring your tithes to the church, to the storehouse. And because of that, God will pour you out of blessings. You, you won't have room enough to receive it. So the Ponzi scheme is God's going to take care of you and pour you out and give you your, your reward. The buy-in is just pay your tithe. That's all you got to do is just pay your tithe. Yeah, but with you, it wasn't, you weren't going to uh, Madison Square Garden on Sundays to hear Creflo Dollar or whenever he's in, does his New York service there. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to the Astrodome to hear, or the old Astrodome to hear Osteen. Joel Osteen. (laughs) That's not, you went to a local church in your community for this, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was, a, it was a local church in Columbus, Ohio. It was, it, it branched off from a, one of our, um, one of our mega churches. And so there was a lot of influence in the pastor that left the mega church um, to have his own splinter. And it was the, the congregation maxed when I was there at maybe 400, maybe. Um, so it was a that's, deep, that's yeah. a pretty big church for, I mean, uh, most average like Baptist churches are what seventy-five to a seventy-five, you know, yeah, <laughs> or less, so or fewer. So, yeah, I mean, that's a sizable church. So mm-hmm. that's drawing a lot of people just just for a church plant. Yeah. So, yeah. but you, you, how prevalent is is are these churches? Um, just because, for from my 
experience, my experience is this is all what televangelists do. Mm. But your experience is you started in the local church and then realized it moved outward from the local church into, into whereas I, I see it as my, in my experience is that's the televangelist thing. So what do people need to know? What are, what are, how would you know if your church has bought into that? If so, you move to let's say you move to Columbus, Ohio, and you're looking for a church near you. Mm-hmm. If you so, when I moved to Evansville, for example, I we wanted to start looking at churches. Um, we started looking at websites and all all of that. Uh, maybe they posted a message, maybe they don't. But you know, you you don't have time to sit there and listen to every sermon that they ever. How would you? How do you detect when your local church has this kind of uh, teaching in it. Yeah, there's, there's, that's a good question. There's some cues for sure. So when the ministry becomes more about the pastor, uh, than it is Jesus or, uh, on the same plane kind of, you know, a lot a, a, a you know, uh, erroneous versus, uh, touch not down anointing and, le- and, and do not profit no harm is that's, that's a big, uh, verse that's used for, pastors in the word of faith movement because they have like a, a deified state you know what i mean so mm. once when you get to a church that like the message isn't about what we can do for christ but what christ can do for us that becomes i mean that that's an alarming rate and then the manipulation of the tithe and i would even say from a biblical standpoint i i, I use offering based on the second corinthians 8 and 9 model right. i think offering is is more uh new testament than the word tithe yeah well tithe but, is only mentioned twice in the new testament once by jesus where he's talking about jesus. the pharisees spice cabinet and the second time is when the author of hebrews is talking about abraham's war plunder which mm-hmm. that one of them jesus is being kind of you know, downing on it, you know, using it as a way to, to be somewhat um, in his dress down of the Pharisees. He's not using it in a positive sense, you right. know? Um, and, and, and of course I don't have war plunder to give to Melchizedek. So like you, I don't, right. really, I, I don't have any sort of tithe for, for, and, and I know what people say, they say, well, the, the Abraham was before uh, Torah. Uh, fine, but that doesn't mean that all the 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 tithes and offerings that you find in Torah ap- apply to us. Um, mm-hmm. Because even though Abraham was before the law, what was he giving? Well, it was a war plunder, and I don't I don't have that. Yeah. So uh, the New I, Test- I've had those conversations yeah. too. Like, hey, I I'll, I can bring in the tithe every single week. Okay, sure. I'll bring in a bunch of plunder. I'll yeah. bring in a bunch of honey. I'll bring in, you know, I, I'll, livestock. I'll bring, yeah. Right. Yeah. I'll, and, and, I'll bring and, in a bunch of cattle. And, and, yeah. And by the way, where's our, our Deuteronomy 14 tithe? Where's, where's, where's my crown and Coke when you pass the, right. And I don't, I, I'm not saying I drink crown and Coke, but I'm saying, where's the booze? This is a Baptist church. And, and that, you want to get old Testament. Right. Right. So, so I'm with you. I, I don't really affirm tithe. I believe in offering or giving, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and, and which tithe from the new Testament or, or from the old Testament? Cause you're, you're talking about well more than a 10th of just mm-hmm. one thing. You've got several tenths, right. And free will <laughs> offerings on top of that. So, right. so where's all right. of that? Right. So, so I'm with you, but that's a, that's a big thing that, 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 that tithe, some people call it the seed, you know, mm-hmm. or, or whatever. I've heard that kind of language. That's a big word of faith uh, word is seed. Not only uh, financially, but kind of uh, uh, 
ancestrally, you know, like, like we're the seed of God, like Creflo Dollar would say, like, he, like his word of faith has gotten to the point, uh, Kenneth Copeland has said this as well, like the little G God's doctrine. Mm. And, you know, M Joyce Meyer said this, there's some th talks of her recanting a bit, you know, recanted, yeah. recantish, you know, but at the same time, that little G God's doctrine still follows. So, so if you're at a church, so if I invited you, if I was still in my word of faith movement and, you know, you called me and said, Hey, you know, I'm moving to Columbus and, you know, you came to my church, but you're, more exegetically sound than I am, or I didn't notice these things. What you would tell me is like, huh? So Chris, um, so I noticed that the pastor was talking a lot about the tithe. You know, can you tell me in the old in the New Testament where that makes sense mm -hmm. as far as give and receive from a from a tithe, and you receive this point of like, where does that? Where's that in the in the in the scripture as far as yeah you know, I was saying we're under yeah where did the Levitical priests become ballers in, right <laughs> exactly <laughs> you know I don't find that anywhere right right and and uh, you know that would be a cue and then you know um, it got it got to the point it got to the point Pritchett that my church. And, I, and Leroy Thompson does this too. Like the, I don't know if you, I don't know how familiar you are with Leroy Thompson. He, uh, he, he's the big money cometh dude. So he. Oh yeah, I've heard the money cometh. Money cometh. I've seen the, I've seen the clips, but that's yeah, about as far yeah. as I go. If somebody shares something on Facebook, social media, some of the more goofy stuff, yeah. I see that. But, but I, I'm not too familiar with that. Yeah, my church was very got to the point that was similar to the Leroy Thompson. So he's. You know, they use the Holy Spirit, like, yeah, I feel the Holy Spirit moving. And so that kind of prompts people that when they hear a good word and they're caught up in their emotional state, they will literally bring money to the 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 uh the sink the uh, altar. And so that's their way of saying, That's a good word. I'm gonna show you that it's a good word. It, or and or I'm going. I'm going to have enough faith. Faith is a superpower in the word of faith. Right. It's, a, it's kind of like a zapper. You know, it's kind of like an ex nihilo zapper that we have. Since we're the seed of God, since we're little G gods, we have a, the faith zapper, you know. And it's <laughs> like, again, totally out of context. Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is, you know, the Greek word pistis, which means right. to have trust and confidence in. So we're, we're having confidence in God. But the Hebrews 11, one to a word of faith there is, okay, I've got this big old superpower of faith. And since, since I'm the seed of God, I can say, well, I'm going to have this, I'm going to speak this, I'm going to get that, you know? So it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's terrible. But from the Leroy Thompson standpoint, it got to the point at my church and my former church that it was like that. It was like, bring they would bring dollar bills to the altar and the altar would just be flooded with money right you know? and that all goes to the church and the preacher's pocket right according to yes but according to acts 2 it's supposed to go to the poor right <laughs> but, but let me but let me ask you this okay so so someone might say now is that now I want to ask, is that in addition to passing around the offering plate or is that instead of passing around the offering plate? It's additional. Oh, okay. It's in addition to, so, because yeah, yeah. so, somebody might say, well, what's the difference between, you know, being excited at throwing money uh, at the foot of the 
pulpit area or putting money in an offering plate, you're still just giving money. So, um, but this is in addition to the offering plate. So you've paid your tithe. And, and so this would be so, something extra that you, that you would get excited about and throw, but that usually comes with an expectation that Correct. that money is going to come back to you. If you give to the preacher or the church or whatever, that's you give. And so you can have an expectation of a tenfold increase yep. or something like that. They'll now, say some 30, some 60, some hundredfold. That's that's they'll, they'll say something like that. Like if you also, give, you yeah. 30, 60, hundredfold. Yeah. Now for me, I'm sure that they've, they have an apologetic for this, but if you do that consistently, say every other Sunday and three or four years go by, the pastor's getting a good amount of money, but you're not getting anything. And in fact, you've had some financial hardships, even though you keep giving the money, how do they, how does somebody not stop for a second and get out of this and think, Something's not right here. That's where the Ponzi scheme comes in because it's it, it's a it's a continual promise, right? So basically, the pastor say, "Okay, I got this new car. I got these new suits." Because you faith is usually the measuring stick of that. If you're not inheriting, if you're going through some financial hardships, that just simply means that you don't have enough faith. You see me. You know, I, I'm an example of someone who's walking in faith. I, I've got this new car. I've got these new, this new big body bins. I've got this new three-piece suit that looks, you know, sharp to the tack, you know. And so I'm the example of someone who's walking in faith. And because you're not walking in as much faith, you're not receiving those blessings that God is, you know, ready to have. And it could be an indication that you're not tithing correctly because, you know, God is ready to pour you out a blessing. You won't have room enough to receive it. But that goes, that, that only means that if you're tithing, because if you're not tithing, you're robbing God. And will a man rob God? You know, mm. Matthew, uh, Malachi 3, that's a, you know, a big, will a man rob God? You know, and you're, you're cursed with a curse. That's, that's a big thing. That's the, you know, that's the tithe or die phrase. That Creflo dollar is real big on tithe or die. So it's, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that it's a pressure tithe, which again, you know, you're not supposed to give uh, begrudgingly of out of necessity <laughs> for God loves a cheerful giver. So that speaks against scripture. The pressure tithe is not scriptural, but yeah. they'll use Malachi three as a pressure tithe and say, well, you're not receiving these things because you don't have enough faith and you probably aren't giving the way that you do. You're probably robbing God, you know? So, I mean, there's, there's like, little churches i've seen uh, um, a picture of and i and i've heard of more churches doing this but there's actually a bulletin of people called you know who are god robbers and those are people that aren't paying their tithes and they were literally have every single member of the church who aren't paying their tithes they will put their name on the bulletin oh man like a shameless yeah yeah it, wow yeah. So a lot of a lot of emotional abuse and manipulation involved oh, in that yeah. as well. Yeah, now, yeah. now podcasts. This is not the first podcast on, to show up on YouTube about the problems with this. How, how do these churches insulate their members from all of the material out there that's criticizing these movements? How do they keep them 
distracted or, or did not pay attention to, to, to all of the ministries that expose the errors? How, how, did, how do they keep that going without, so you got out somehow, but like I have relatives um, in Arkansas that no matter that they like Benny, Benny Hens, their guy. Right. And they watch, Hallelujah. yeah, they, they watch him <laughs> on TV and, um, all of that. Now I've saw Benny Hinn once cause he was in Altel arena in Little Rock one year, which is right across from where I went to barber college. And so mm. we went over there to watch it and I thought it was a circus. It was just ridiculous, but I've got, uh, touch. Like yeah touch. <laughs> yeah people falling down and they're waving yeah. people beside me are just falling down I'm like what right are you doing <laughs> you know um but i wanted to see this because i i have a few not many i have a few family members that are involved with this now i do have a lot of family members that are charismatic in the assembly of god but they 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 see this for what they think it's absolute nonsense mm -hmm. but but i do have a few family members that think benny hen is is he's their guy and i uh, I, I saw that stuff. I think it's this, and no matter what I say, it they they won't believe it because they'll believe him. And I, 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 how how do people do? I can't convince Braxton to agree with me on everything, which mm. I'd like to think that I can manipulate him to do whatever I want. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, Braxton. No, but I mean, how how do they shield people from from truth in such a way that keeps people just enamored with this? Yeah, I mean, well, my doctorate is in forensic psychology, so I, I love to integrate forensic psychology when it comes to theology. And, you know, from a psychological standpoint, even going back to the New Thought Movement, um, you had Quimby uh, having kind of like contemporary, or he partnered up with a dude named Lucia, Lucius Barkmer. And um, he would he would go and have different um, kind of presentations or public displays where he would just like heal people and people would have like medication and not being able to afford medication and then he would heal them and they would feel better. So that's when we uh, stemmed the, t the term placebo effect. So mm -hmm. that's where we get placebo effect from because, you know, you're have you're promising something or you're giving someone a temporary uh, kind of high. And that's, and that's what they're kind of hinging upon. And so there's a lot of placebo effect when it comes to, uh, and I would even, I'm really big into cults and Christian cults. And there's so much of the same type of dynamic when it comes to someone who was in a cult, like for instance, uh, with Keith Rainier with Nexium. I don't know if you heard Nexium. That's uh, he's mm -hmm. recently got arrested a few, few, uh, few years back. Um, but yeah, I mean, Nexium was, you know, it's like a, um, a very motivational, gradual type of self-reliance, you know, kind of click and that you eventually kind of earn your way up to different colors and just feeling good about yourself. It's like motivational speaking on steroids. And so you have these clicks, but Rainier was basically really big into lust and he ended up like branding people with this emblem and uh, uh one of the actors from smallville was really big into it she was one of the uh one of the uh, people from um uh in the nexium cult and so that's just same thing with um the ufo cult the um heaven's gate right so yeah, with with, with marshall applewhite back in the mid 90s you know 
in the in the 80s he was like you know what you know he he had a christian influence ish and then you know he said okay you know there's ufos and and he kept he kept giving people fake dates of like okay we're going to rise to the level above human you know i mean that's what he calls the 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 extra you know the the celestial world the level above human and his wife was like god who came down and, and you know kind of collabed with him and you know and so he kept giving people false dates you know the ufo's coming so they would actually go to a big old area and kind of congregate and kind of celebrate and then the next day you know he said okay the ufo's coming and nobody would come hmm. so you would have people that will fall away but you will still have people that will stay because he still gave people a message of hope false hope he was dead wrong but he would still give them a hope and he got to the point where you had people at night in 1997 he said okay haley's comet since haley's comet came close to the earth that was a sign of god you know speaking and saying that now it's time to go so he literally manipulated people to drink a deadly poison and be in and, and you know some was suffocated and some was yeah. uh and, and drank a daily poison so he got to the point where people were voluntarily drank deadly poison a deadly concoction because he was so convincing enough that we're going to get to this level above human so that's that's where that's where my psychology that's why i have such a, a interest in psychology from a forensic standpoint and my investigation other than, you know, criminal and stuff like that, but I love investigating theological matters. And it's similar with word of faith. You're, yeah. you're convincing someone that this hope, you're gonna get that money, you're gonna get that car, you're gonna speak it. All you gotta do is just decree and declare it, name it and claim it. It's a false sense of hope that you're continuing to give, give people. So when it, when it doesn't deliver, you can easily turn it around and say, Oh, you just didn't have enough faith. So you're you're embedding someone to live a uh, to live a lifestyle of because it didn't happen. It's my fault. It's not your right. fault. It's my fault because I don't have enough faith. That's that's what they embed in people. Now, from a psychological standpoint, though, when when people get wrapped up in this, is it desperation that that causes them to or, or you know what creates the what? there's obviously a need for false hope. So I'm saying what are some of the psychological attachments to, to, to the word of faith movement that you see in people that you may know that are wrapped up in it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So in my culture, as, as, you know, African American as, as, as a black male, the poverty level, you know, and, and without where I grew up at and just, just a lot of, within my communities is on the low side. And so it, it's right for the picking when it comes to that, because I, I can give you the money. Just give me a Ponzi scheme. I got the money for you. God's going to give you the money that you want. God's going to give you that car. I know you, you've been, you know, catching the bus for a long time, but God's going to give you that car. Only thing you have to do is give, you have to give to me, Given it shall be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall man give into your bosoms. That's a, that's a kind of a ploy that's, that's used. And so you keep kind of embedding like, yeah, you know what? I do owe a bill or two or five, 
you know, I am delinquent in my cable bill. Yeah, I do. My car is about to shut down. I guess I can buy into it a little bit because I, I kind of am desperate right now mm. because my poverty, you know, my, my income level is low. I'm buying into the hope that, oh, really? It says this in a Bible. God's going to do this for me. If, if I give you, if I give you, all, all I have to do is just give you my money and God's going to pour out, you know, from the windows of heaven. Whoa. Right. A blessing that, that I won't have room enough to receive. Oh, absolutely. I'm going to keep giving and giving and giving. Yeah, I'm still, you know, okay, well, my bills are still piling up. Oh, okay, well, that cable bill's shut off now. And that's since I'm already in, since since I'm already, the buy-in's already there. Buy-in's already, right. already submitted. So since the buy-in's are, is not something I have to con- be concerned with, now the psychological effect is turning on you. And that's what happens with cults all the time. The buy-in is the alluring. And then when something's not going right, the psychological will turns and saying it's a you thing, not a me thing. And so a lot of people and a lot of that word of faith teaching is, okay, the buy-in is already good. I already gave you scripture to buy you in. Now, if these things aren't happening to you, that's just because you don't have a lot of faith or you're not walking in your health and wealth as, as little G gods. You're not really fully walking into that, walking into that manifestation. So now it becomes more of a you thing and not a me thing. Yeah, and after you've given up so much of your money, you you're you you're also buying in that way too. That you you, you well, I'm I'm in for this much. I don't want to, you know, if I quit now, yep. then it really was me, yep. you know. Yep. And man, that that can, you know, I want to. There's a big part of me that wants to feel bad for a lot of people in that because it is it is abusive in a, in a way, and of course, it's false oh, doctrine yep. too. Yep. But I always have to come back to, um, what is it, Second Timothy 4.3? You know, for the time will come, people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what is itching, what their itching ears want to, want to hear. And so when I read a text like that, I, the part of me says that when the false teachers become popular, it's because they were enabled by people who wanted to put them there. You see, and I think so that's a fair assessment. I think I think both apply. I think yeah, it, I, it, I think yeah, I, I think it's a both and. You know, yeah. I mean, I mean the, the way I can go to text in First Peter, or I mean Second Peter, Jude. Mm-hmm. There, there, there's texts all over Scripture about false teachers preying on people, mm-hmm. right? That's, but I, but there's also the sense in which now some of these prosperity, the more popular ones, they'll have athletes and actors and and musicians and famous people giving them million dollar seeds. Oh yeah. Um, I, I remember seeing, uh, uh, an NBA player give, I think a million dollars to TD Jakes, for example. Mm -hmm. And TD Jakes was, I I think he was, I think the guy's name was Murdoch because he just, uh, I, I remember him because of the, he just looks like, an evil man. <laughs> he just, the, uh, uh, you're talking about the prosperity gospel? Uh, yeah, the, Michael Murdoch. Mike Murdoch. Yeah, Mike Murdoch. Mike. He just looks and like he writes yeah. like 40 10 page books that all say the same thing. It just, <laughs> he's a, but he's a creepy guy. I remember watching it, he creeped me out. Yes. And he was talking about TD Jakes getting a million dollars and that he was, he gave TD Jakes, I don't know, like 
$10,000 or something because he wanted to get his million or something. And so, but of course he gets that every week from people. So he's already got his money, you know? Um, They'll give cases too. Like, yeah, this person gave $5,000 and let me tell you about this hundredfold return. They were, they've been praying and praying and praying about this college scholarship. And guess what happened? The college gave them a call and said, we're going to pay it in full. And everybody started running around the church. Ah, you know, yeah. and so all that. And so me as a, me as an observer, I'm like, man, you know what? I've been praying and praying for seven years and giving all this money. So if that can happen to them, okay, I think I've got hope now. I think I can, I think all the things I've been praying for. Can yeah. And the people that are already successful who buy into that help legitimize the pastor. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so they, they endorse them. Yeah. Yeah. And so they create a, a, a kind of, uh, un, you know, a, a confirmation bias mm-hmm. within the members. So that, and I, and I'm guessing that's why even so, so how did you, cause I have family still to this day swear by Benny Hinn and mm-hmm. they don't have a lot of money. They've never had a lot of money. They're never going to have a lot of money. Yeah. Just typically, just, just to say, I'm not trying to be mean to some family members, but the, just because of the principles by which they live in general, plus this, they're never going to get out of it, but you got out of it. So can you give us a little bit of how you came out of that movement? Because I know that you started in that. In fact, I think you said you, uh, you told me once that you got saved in that movement, right? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yep, absolutely. Um, so I've always been very analytical. I've always been a why behind the what type of person. And I was lured for so long, but I was still reading the Bible myself and just kind of hearing all these things and believing it was true because this was my faith. This was my faith looked like based on what this pastor and you know his contemporaries were saying. So that was really the crux and the nucleus of what I thought my faith looked like. And so like, there were some things, as I was reading the scriptures myself, um, there were some things that just really didn't sit well with me, you know, as far as just, and then, and then I was a victim of paying my, literally, I kid you not, paying my rent money, paying bill money, like paying my last dime to make sure that I got that Todd money in. Because if I didn't, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's going to happen to me and it's going to be just really, really bad if I don't pay my tithes. So I was a victim of the pressure tithe movement and I I got so just scared that it just the thing I got afraid that if I don't, God is going to do this to me. God is going to curse me if I don't give this money. And then, you know, I was like, you know what? I was just kind of really thinking about stuff in my head. Like, I already feel like I'm being cursed because I'm still struggling to pay my, my rent and my bills here. Like <laughs> where, where, where's all this promises coming? And I was like, you know what? This just isn't sitting well with me. And so the more I continued to dig myself and still, I was digging from the lens of a word of faith there. You know what I mean? I was digging from that lens and it got to the point where I was like, you know what, man, this, this just isn't sitting well with me. And my, my blinders started to come up when just start, things started to really be, I, I was having some unrest, like the, the whole throwing the money in the altar. I was just still sitting there like, I don't know, because it just mm-hmm. seems like a show to me. 
Yeah. And people were like, yeah, amen, pastor. And they were, and I'm, I, I'm a, like, I'm a teacher. God is, you know, my Ephesians 4 gift is teaching. And so I'm a forever student because I'm, because I'm gifted to teach, you know what I mean? And so yeah. I'm sitting there willing to learn. Like I'm sitting there just pores open, just ready to be, you know, ready to soak it all in. And what I'm getting instead is people coming up like this big showy service of people coming up to the altar. And I'm thinking always, a lot of times I think of from the standpoint of a, a, a non-convert or a recent convert. And I was thinking like in that perspective too. And I was like, you know what, if I was a non-convert or a recent convert, I would run away from this church as quick as the day is young. You know what I mean? And, and, and I was like, that's, unrest i'm sitting that, that's not sitting well with me and so the that started to really sit wrong with me and then i I've, I've been a christian promoter uh for about 16 years now and i, I have a big uh, i have i used to do multiple events a year like christian rap and christian spoken word and just christian arts events like a big kind of variety show type of thing and so every year i have this big event in columbus called the glory fest and so it's a bunch of Christian rappers, you know, a bunch of like big, you know, Christian rappers. Now, uh, 16 years ago, I was a Christian rapper. I never got a phone call from you. Yeah. If I would have known you, you know, DJ, DJ, JP. You didn't care about Arkansas. No, Christian I didn't. Hip hop, did you? It's yeah. all Midwest for you guys, right? Yeah, it was Midwest. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was. I was having an event. Um, I, I was having the Glory Fest one year, and uh, actually, I had uh, two big, I had three big events: the kickoff, the Glory Fest, and then Christmas is Christ. I still do the kickoff and Glory Fest every year, but it was one of the Christmas is Christ events, and I just wanted. It might have been a Glory Fest, actually. Um, no, it was a Christmas is Christ event. So I, I just simply wanted the church to put it on the bulletin. I had a flyer. I said, you know what? I'm doing urban ministry. The urban ministry wasn't very prominent in my, in my church. There wasn't a lot of, uh, there was outreach of saying, we're giving you these things, but it's kind of like, Hey, look at us. We're giving it to you. But I really had a desire to bring people from the urban community into a room and look at Christian rap and just have a fun time in the Lord. And, um, you know, I've had testimonies, praise God, over the past 16 years of like, man, I've never experienced something like that. You know, what I mean, of someone who's a uh, non-convert or a new convert, they'll say like, man, I've never experienced something like that in church. And that's praise, you know, glory to God for that. And that's what I wanted, you know. Yeah. And so and that's always been a mission of what I do. And so I was like, you know what, I just simply want a flyer to be on a bulletin. And so I talked to the pastor's wife and she literally told me this, Jonathan, she said, um, and, and mind you, they paid for my first and second glory fest. Uh, the second time became more about them. The first time they were promoting the, the church and stuff like that. And so like the third or fourth time, I was just like, I just, you know, fourth event I had, I was like, you know what? I just want you to promote it. And she literally told me, she said, yeah, if we promote this, we would have to promote a Mary Kay party. And I'm thinking in my head, you just compared <laughs> urban ministry from a, even from a missional standpoint 
to bring people from the streets to the church and experience, you know, a good time in the Lord via music arts. You just compared that to a leisurely Mary Kay party. Yeah. I like you really did that. Like that's a thing now. You, yeah, like you can't sells, unring that yeah. bell. <laughs> you know? One sells makeup. The other one is ministry, right. <laughs> preaching the gospel to potential lost people. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You, like you really did that. And that, that, that just really took me like there was uh, the cues were building up, but I was still under that lens and still had those blinders on, but that took them off. And I was just like, huh? Okay. And so I, you know, say, you know what, I'm leaving the church. I'm going to do it amicably. You know, I want this to be very, very amicable. And I sat down and talked to the pastor and the, uh, the wife, the, the, the first lady. And I was like, you know, what? I, and I came in very respectful, very cordial. And I said, thank you. I want to, you know, thank for, thank you for everything you've done. I really appreciate, you know, my growth in this ministry, but as of new year's Eve, you know, I'm going to leave the church. Right. And so what I got back was a couple disparaging things mm. and ultimately saying, well, you can just leave now. And I'm like, okay, I was an overseer here. I put thousands of dollars in this ministry. There were times where I was one of the first to come in last to go out. And what I get back after nine years is you can leave now. Yeah. That, bro, that crushed me because I, I was in my 20s and that was my church experience. And that's why I dabbled back into skepticism for like a month and a half or so because that was church to me. And they just took a big dump, you know, <laughs> right, right on me. And I was like, man, okay, well, if this is church to me, I don't want to have anything to do with right. that. Praise God. I had a core of Christian friends that that was the Lord continuing to, you know, to keep me, to keep me around. And that's where my apologetics journey started in 2007. Yeah. So let's, let's end on this. Uh, you obviously have people that you love still in that church. I mean, nine members or nine years there, surely you love the people in that church. Mm -hmm. Um, I have loved ones that, that, that are into Benny Hinn. And, and I'm sure a lot of people know people that are wrapped up in these kinds of churches or movements, whether it's on television or it's in their local congregations. What do you, what do you think is the best approach to try to reach these people? It's to preach truth, man. And it's going to offend people, but you have to be bold enough to, to do it and say it. I mean, you have to really like, understand that the word of faith movement is something that needs to be addressed head on, you know, just like we address uh, atheism, just like we address, you know, other heresies and, and things like that. Um, it needs to be addressed head on because essentially what it does, it, 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 it woos people, you know, and I, I'm actually a good friend of mine, you know, she just recently left uh, the, the word of faith movement not too long ago. And she was there the whole time I was there and plus more, you know? And so, you know, and it, it's a, it's a difficult unlearning process for her. And, you know, I, there's other people who came and I get messages all the time of people like, it, it's so difficult to detach themselves away from it 
because they've been into it so, for so long. And so they, they'll private message me saying like, man, I, I heard you talk about that on your podcast. And that's, that's that so my church. And I'm just like, man, I just, and so you have to be bold enough. Cause if, if I wasn't obedient enough to let the Lord use me to speak against the word of faith, I wouldn't be having messages from people who are trying right. to pull out. You, know you, I mean? you do spend a, a good time on uh, Vision United talking about this. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I, I enjoy your facial expressions and your thumbs uh, <laughs> when, you, when you're talking about the, uh, the Word of Faith movement because it, it really encapsulates what I am thinking. That's the kind of face I make when I, whenever people share those kinds of clips. You shared a clip recently about an upcoming conference. And, and so whenever you share something, I pay attention to it. And so I watched this, this clip and I was just like, I, this, I can't remember his name, but it's some virtual. It was Leroy Thompson. Yeah. It was oh, the that's money. Leroy. Yeah. Uh, um, and I was just like, there are people that look at this and don't make the same face that Chris and I make. They make, a, <laughs> they make a, Ooh, Ooh, you know, they make an right. excited face. And so I, God bless you brother for, for, uh, speaking the truth to, into into this issue because this is this is more widespread than than people want to know people want to reserve that as the easy targets let's let's pick on right. creflo dollar let's pick on benny Hinn, joel osteen and think that we've made a difference in the health and wealth prosperity no you you've done nothing they don't they they're not going to see your post in phase in one bit mm-hmm. there are local churches where this is this is prevalent in local churches where attacking Creflo Dollar, they're going to roll their eyes, but you can actually go to a person in your community who's involved in this and you can, you can try to reach them. Yep. See, I think that actually you would be better equipped to reach my family members than me because they're going to blow me. Oh, that's just Jonathan again, you know, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes it, but, but there are people in our own communities. And so I always, one thing I do that kind of irritates people in our trinity radio group is and people in my my facebook feed is i'll see a preacher post something about joel osteen and he'll feel good about himself because he's speaking the truth and denouncing joel and i and i'll go look at what city he's in and i'll say pastor here's two oneness pentecostal churches in your community Mm. um and here's a you know prosperity or something and here's a mormon church why Joel Osteen, who you'll never meet, who he'll never meet you, when a pastor who lives in your city, why aren't you putting him on blast? Yes. You know, and so that's one of the things, and you don't have to be Pritchett Prime about it, like be a jerk like I would be, but if you're going to call out, put a Joel Osteen meme up, why, why are you not memeing the local church pastor who is an actual heretic um, sending souls in your community to hell that you're not reaching? Mm. He's reaching them. And what are you doing to stop that? So, um, we need to be alert, uh, I think, more alert about these kinds of movements, whether it's heretical cults or just the false teaching of the prosperity uh, gospel, and get into our communities. And, and like you said, just speak the truth with boldness, because maybe you do have to be a little ruffle some feathers with it. Maybe that's the only way they'll hear anything. But, mm-hmm. but yeah. And we do need to understand that it is a heresy, though. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, it, it is it is heretical. I mean, no matter how you slice it, it is a heretical teaching. It, it's, yeah. it's you know, it, it's something that is not scripturally based. It, yeah, they, they'll, they'll, lure you, they'll lure you in with some orthodoxy, but it's, it's so much eisegesis. It's terrible hermeneutics, yeah. and that stuff is very dangerous. 
Yeah, I mean, they can copy and paste all the orthodox stuff they want from other websites and put it on their own. Mm -hmm. But if you talk to them, uh, I think Benny Hinn one time said there's nine members of the Trinity. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah I think one yeah. has three. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he's, he's come off that, but it took him years to, right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, they just think that these are what we need, but if you talk to them, they, they don't have sound doctrine in any area, but the worst of all is, is, is it's not the Holy spirit within you who's gifted you to be a blessing to others and, and, and things like that. It's your power, not the spirit's powers. And, and so that delves into divination almost, it's almost like magic. And that's, that is heresy. That's, that's forbidden. So yeah, uh, we need to be more uh, vigilant in, in this struggle. And of course there's, there's, there's enemies everywhere when you're in the church and, and we can't do it all, but even I feel like I need to be more informed about this. And that's why I'm glad that you came on to, to educate me more about this because I, you know, there are people in my family, there are people in, in, in my community of Evansville who who fall into this kind of thing. And some of it's on them because it's what they want, but it's because they're at a place where this is like the psychology of it. Like you talked about, this is easy to ensnare them because of where they are. Maybe that is what they want, but there's something broader things that the real church could address in their lives yep. that would get them out of it. So, yep. so we need to be more vigilant. Well, Chris, where can uh, people find you? Uh, excuse me, Dr. Fe we have to call you Dr. Featherstone for at least a month before it's back to Chris. <laughs> so, <laughs> And congratulations, well, by the way, you told me you, you failed through your oral defense, which had I been on that panel, buddy. I, I, <laughs> I have confidence. Well, thank you from someone who is a doctor and has been on the committee. That's, that means a lot. Um, I, I think I'm confident enough that I would have still, you gave, you gave me some good advice when we were talking uh, beforehand. I was coming yeah. for some coaching as far <laughs> as this thing. And, you know, you're you're telling me how, like, man, you just have to, you have to knock it out the park so much that they won't have any questions. That's right. That, that was something. No, they, they regret asking that. you the question. Yeah, they regret asking. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so literally, I, I, I kid you not, my presentation was so solid that um, I had two questions, like kind of like a follow up, like two follow ups, but a question that I said, okay, what would you say to something? Because my um, dissertation dissertation topic is about how conversion of Christianity reduces recidivism rates. Yeah. You know, and one of the questions was, well, how can you, uh, you know, what would you say to someone who says, you know, someone who's a Christian would go back, you know what I mean? And I was like, well, you just have to get to the point of, first of all, this is about reduction. This isn't about total annihilation. You know, people are going to make mistakes and you have to understand that, you know, if you have a type of mentality of, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbors yourself. And Philippians, you know, talks about esteeming others higher than yourself. That's actually, that's actually started the, the, my presentation with that scripture. And it's funny because they asked a question that went back to the beginning of my presentation. Huh. Uh, so it all worked in my favor. And she was like, huh, that was a really good way to answer that. There you <laughs> yeah. go. Praise God, man. So where can people find you if they want to check out more of your stuff? Yes, Vision United podcast, Vision with a Z. Uh, it's a it's kind of wordplay. Uh, Vi is French for live, and Zion is uh, yeah. for the church. So it's live the church. So I'm the church. Uh, so Vision with a Z, Vision United podcast. Uh, so yeah, man, uh, go check that out. Go sub. 
And thanks for all those, the supporters, man. I, I had like 200. I remember I had Braxton Hunter on my uh, show and he was like, you know what, man, I'm going to get you past 200 subscribers. And that was, you know, some months ago, a few, few months back. And now I'm over 600. So I've had, like yeah, big, <laughs> we'll, we'll, big... we're, we're going to keep you growing now that now, come on now. And that's not the only podcast you have. Come on, give them all of it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm on. a huge pro wrestling fan. Yeah. Uh, that's actually by, by day. I'm a mental health specialist and by night I'm a pro wrestling journalist. So, uh, you know, I write wrestling stuff and I have my own podcast called pancakes and power slams. Yeah every Tuesday night and uh man I have a really huge Facebook following but go uh sub to my uh YouTube channel with that I have 6 to 10,000 Facebook listeners every week and so but you know my YouTube channel needs some TLC so go sub there Yeah too. Vision United Pocket Now now you also just became a a freelance writer for a comic book right Yeah that that uh, it was it was CBR but uh yeah, CBR yeah, I didn't like their uh, their their formatting. It was, uh, you know, I'm I'm one of those guys who uh, understand the. I've gotten finally gotten to a point in my life where I understand my worth professionally. Yeah, and uh, the the money that I was making was definitely not uh, linked up with the time that I had <laughs> that I was putting in those. Gotcha. Shows, so. Yeah. And, that happens. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I read, I got that. Sometimes I read the CBR when they have like movie news or whatever, but I haven't yeah, been to yeah. a movie in forever. But anyway, yeah. man, I appreciate you coming on and sharing with us and everyone go check out vision United podcast and pancakes and power slams on Facebook. I guilty. I, I don't, I don't watch wrestling, but you know, I, I like to watch Chris. So sometimes yeah. if it's on what I'm flipping through, I'll, I'll, uh, click the un unmute button and it'll be in the corner of my phone and I'll just, just check it out. But anyway, it's fun, man. It's, yeah. it's fun. I've, I've, uh, I've allowed, I've gotten so much ministry through pancakes and power slams because I don't allow profanity on my chats. All the wrestlers, I tell them you can't cuss. So I, I, I'm, it's a marketplace ministry to me. Like, hey, it's, yeah. it's, it's, I've talked to a lot of atheist wrestlers and I've, share the gospel with so many wrestlers man so it's it's definitely marketplace ministry for me amen well to paraphrase c.s Lewis, we don't need more uh christian podcasters we need more christians doing good podcasts yeah so, uh, <laughs> but you do both so amen. man of many praise all right well thank you very much for being here and thank you all for watching god bless thank you